Hello, and welcome to another episode of Two Beers, Please, or this week's episode, which was, what's a better phrasing? They both work. This week's another episode of Two Beers, Please. He's Yannick and Karnasau. I'm Matthew Phillips, ready to talk about everything from the sports world, all the action, South Carolina and Kansas. Congratulations to both of them being crowned national champions over the weekend. Uh, topping off what really has been such a, a fun college basketball season. Um, and two, two well-deserved champions, I'd say. Uh, NBA playoffs almost here. Bye-bye, Lakers. Uh, I think I think two, I think both sides, like the two teams, are set. But there's some there's some seed movement that could still be uh, done. I know that I know the Timberwolves. I think are the one team in the plan that still has a chance to to possibly sneak into the top six. Uh, and then two, three, and four in the East. Your Celtics, my Celtics, with my my bachelor party fit on. Them and the Sixers and the uh, the Bucks. I I have no idea what, how that's going to turn out. Yeah, no idea. But if listen, Celtics Nation, I I'm so my team. I'm so glad you're playing so well. Do not get this two seed for the love of God. Do not get this two seed. Just lose out. Get the three or the four and avoid that Nets first matchup, right. please. To God, I don't want. I that's. We were we were ready to play the Bulls, and then we jumped over the Bucks, and I'm, the Bulls. We will we will beat the Bulls. We will beat the Bulls very in in my in my head without much of a complaint. You'd at least feel better, especially the way the Bulls are playing about playing the Bulls than like the Nets. Like the Nets have honestly, even if you just say the Nets have Kevin Durant, it's like I know I don't want to. He almost took them to the finals last year single handedly. Like, right, ex- exactly. So. Listen, boys, we did the job. We showed people we got it ball out. Now lose out the end of the season, you know, just a couple games. People will underestimate you maybe a little bit. They'll be like, oh, maybe they're on a slump. And then you don't have to play the Nets. And then, boom, the playoffs, come back. (laughs) Come back. Don't do it to me. (laughs) Just just don't play play the Nets. Nobody wants to play the Nets. We will talk about who the Nets may want to play. Uh, And then also World Cup draw last week, which, like, also I kind of i mean like i knew it was coming because with the the last few qualifying games that like were happening i was like oh i wonder when the draw is and it was like oh it's in two days and i'm like shit sweet that's i I guess let's do it why not i know even though we have three teams that haven't been decided yet yeah no it was weird and i i was like looking into why are they doing it so early considering it's november but man this thing has to be so airtight like so many more months before than usual because of it happening in the club season and all of the ramifications of like who you know there's the club season's going to take a pause for the world cup um so i think just things needed to be decided asap and also they wanted to decide the draw because you know those european playoff games have a lot of still things up in the air you know like with ukraine involved and you know it's just kind of it just it, there's just like who knows what's going to happen between now and when those games are played or like are those games going to get postponed further so i i understand why it happened but yeah it also between friday the world cup draw and then all the talk into saturday and then saturday the final four action and all of the talk through sunday into monday i i was i'm hung over right now from storylines and from and from uh possibilities and from just talk and talk and talk and talk yeah, oh yeah, that's dude. I I feel like I went on a like a spree 
especially like end of conference tournament, start of the NCAA tournament where I was indulging in like a lot of sports. And then I think I might even said this like last episode. I was like, I need, I have to stop. Like, this is too much. I'm not, I'm not even consuming any information. Like it's all not going in one ear and out the other. And also I'm not enjoying it. So I've, I've toned down my, how much, especially just like the, like sometimes I'll have ESPN on in the background just because I'm like, oh yeah, this will help me kind of keep track of, of all the different sports things. But then it also just becomes this like continuous monotony, just like the same shit over. And like, you feel like you're stuck in twilight zone groundhog day. And I'm like, I, I can't do it. So I've been watching yeah. a lot of I've been watching a lot of South Park instead, which is hey, <laughs> love a lot that. different. I haven't watched South Park in so long because, like, I feel like they had. I can't remember what the specific thing was, but I was like, ah, I don't like. I don't really want to watch your show right now, guys. But it has been great to go back to that show and like, it really is a show that's like we're gonna make fun of every like you're all idiots at times, and it, it's true. I and it's kind of like, that's the one great thing about that that show. Is it's like they will make fun of literally everyone, and I think everyone probably has a time where they should be made fun of. Yeah, the thing about South Park is if you only watch one episode, depending on what episode it is, I feel like you get you might have the reaction of like, wow, these writers are really horrible, and what what is their place for this comedy still? But if you watch like a whole season of South Park, because my brother loves South Park, and I had only watched a couple episodes before watching with him more. Right, and I I remember thinking this show is dumb and also really offensive, but oh, they are it's horribly offensive. It is, but they are equal opportunity assholes. Like they, there is not a, like you said a single person safe. And honestly, there's something beautiful about that, where right. like everyone gets shit on and no one's safe, and there is no power play where someone's above. And a lot of and like a lot of their times too. Like I, I wouldn't say this is always the case. I'm not like giving. These, Trey Parker and Matt are like a complete pass on this, but like a lot of their offensive stuff is also supposed to be subvert. Like it's making fun of the offensive. Like, yeah, this is an absurd state. Like, like Cartman is supposed to be the embodiment of everything that's just like horrible with society. And he's hilarious. There's like, so like this funny. dude's a fucking idiot. But there's so people walking funny. around that think and act like that. Right, and they might not talk in a ridiculous voice, but they say the same shit. Ski. Oh man, yeah, South Park. I, I'm I'm gonna watch. That. I also needed something to watch that was gonna get my mind off. So I tried to turn up, get up this morning, and as soon as, as soon as the conversation turned to, is Tom Brady gonna win again? I was like, are we really doing this again? Are we gonna do this again? Another year where we ask that question before the season starts. Why don't we get ten weeks in? And then you can ask that question again, because God damn it. Like, I will not do this anymore. I will not do this anymore. Yeah, I like normally I would start most of my days with get up. But there's time where I'm just like, get up. I can't. You're just doing the same, same thing. And it's it killed me. But yeah, that's the great thing about the street, because South Park's on HBO Max. And it's probably the first time, like, you know, when you watch something alone, like even if it's funny or whatever, like you don't like really laugh out loud. Like you're like, Oh, that was funny or whatever. But I feel like I don't, if I'm watching something, I don't like really have like a vocal expression. Like it's just not as pronounced, I guess. But like, there's been times where I've been like watching stuff like late at night here and would just be cracking up like 
vocally and be like, my neighbors probably think I'm insane, but it's kind of fun. Yeah, no, for sure. I listen, anything to you got to You got to take those leaves of absence from from the consistent sports watching. And after this whole March Madness, uh, you know, and and also just after all of the coverage of NBA that's been happening, of European playoffs that's been happening. Yeah, it was time. It was time. We, we debated, you know, I think uh, at least I did in my head. I was like, is it time for like an episode break? But, you know, we're here today and I think it's important because there's a lot of stuff that's going on. But I was there. I was definitely like, you know, I, you know, <laughs> there's a lot going on. This might be another a week where less is happening than for the next seven weeks because it's just like we're going right. back into playoffs. Um, but uh, yeah, there's so much happening. I feel like in years past, we've talked, we've at least mentioned hockey or baseball more by now, but there's too much going on, guys. Like, there's right. too much going on. We will get there when playoffs are I promise you. Uh, and, and maybe even earlier to, to discuss things, but just, there's not enough time. Not enough time. There's not enough time. I don't think either of us possess enough knowledge or I do love hockey, but like interest. It's like, that's why I'm like, sometimes we get up, I'm just like, can't you guys be interested in more sport? Like, I think we have enough variation of sports because that's why they get back to the Tom Brady thing. Cause it's like, it's basically an NFL show that has some like basketball sprinkled in, maybe some golf, but like, it's an NFL show. Oh, it's NFL and, other than NFL and NBA, they don't really talk about anything else unless it's super, super big news. Uh, I feel like <clears throat> we talk college sports more. We talk soccer. That's like a big part of our podcast. We haven't even mentioned NFL for the most part, besides like trades happening. We're not I'm, we're not debating it. If, if you came in for the Lamar Jackson contract extension debate. You you have reached the wrong channel. Please go somewhere else because I, you know, he's either going to sign it or he's not. And then we'll talk about it. How about that? <laughs> Dude, this is like has nothing to do with the topic at all. But because you said about you're here for this. You see, there are like a bunch of people that were mad at Chris Rock because like Chris Rock has like a stand up tour that was already set and everything. And like people were pissed off because they bought tickets for like some of the first few shows. And they're pissed because like he didn't talk about the Will Smith thing or like had jokes. And I'm like, do you know how long it takes to make us? They don't just go up there and they're like, all right, let's tell jokes for an hour. Like you put in so much time to create a stand up set. How could you expect anyone to just be like, you better be going into that thing? Like, I, how dumb? I mean, I know how dumb people are. Just yeah, commented on earlier, but like people are idiots. Like, I spent two thousand dollars to see like good. You're a moron, then. Right, and it's it's like asking like an actor who's in one movie that he's doing a press tour for to talk about this other movie that he just got Oscar nominated for. It's like, listen, I know that's great, but I'm here to talk about this. Like, why would you think? Like, what in your head? Is or you if doing? you're like a musician and you're on tour and you break up with someone. And everyone's like, man, they better have a song about that breakup at the concert tonight. I think I want to know how they're feeling about that breakup. And it better be in the concert. Like, no, that's not how right. things work. It's it's not. Also, I don't even want to get into the whole, like, we we fixate on relationships with famous people so much. But for musician, it's it's gotten to, like, a dumb, dumb, dumb area where it's like, 
I don't know. Like we just expect art to mimic life so much that like we're we're just like grasping at straws from the latest songs. Like this is what she's talking about. Oh, maybe this means that they cheated. Oh, maybe oh, I'm God. like guys. Like they're just making music and leave them the mud. Just leave it alone. I hate how like people in like nowadays try like look. There there are so many times where things have meaning. There are so like, but. I hate when like people or they try like I think there's also something you said for like, oh, you can experience something for yourself. That doesn't mean it's like this blank canvas of like like, oh yeah, she wrote this song and I remember I went through the same thing. So this is what's happening with her. I'm like, what? There's no individual experience. Like I saw somebody had this post on Instagram. Don't even know how this came up my discover, but it was like people that dye their hair are constantly just like changing because of their past trauma and there's like some sort of person that commented on that was just like i mean i kind of just like dyeing my hair like I, i'm sure that is a case for for people i'm not saying that but like when people they just have these insane blanket statements like that where it's like because you've done this it's because of this very serious thing like I, sometimes it's not like sometimes it's just really simple Right. Yeah. It's it's the whole it's the whole problem with uh, psychoanalysis, right? Like in some ways you can make a prediction about what's happening and why it's happening. But like you can't make these blanket statements, you know, like, yeah, sure. If if someone's lying, do they are they do they tend to not make eye contact with you and look down? Yeah, I'm sure there's a study that shows that. That doesn't mean every time someone looks down, they're lying to you. Like, let's, like, you know, yes, there is a relation correlation, but, like, right, you know, and that reminds me of that hair thing. Or, like, that's a different hair thing. People are like, oh, if people, like, make a dramatic haircut, they're, like, on the way to killing themselves. And it's like, right. but, like, you know, like, maybe, yeah. like, but like, time out. Always? Like, always? Like every single time? Because then I gotta, I gotta check on some people really quick, because, <laughs> listen, there's, I'm missing some signs here. Right. <laughs> yeah. that, was, that was another person in, like, the little comments of that thing was just like, well, now I don't want to dye my hair ever, since apparently people are just gonna walk around and be like, that person's just got a shit ton of trauma. Right, exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, people. Yeah. People, people, they people, never change, people. and neither, no. and neither, do, and neither do sports, and neither does the drama. <laughs> it's, it's true. It all comes in a different way, but it, it never changes. Although it kind of does change. When they brought up the Kansas North Carolina, like the last time they met in the national championship, I think it was like a three overtime game, and the score was like fifty four to fifty three. Like right. Jesus, sports. You, you cannot tell me sports are not better nowadays. No, I mean, listen, totally true. I think the final was indicative of that. I think that the at least one of the final four games was indicative of that. And uh, sports are better nowadays. They just freaking are. Will Chamberlain, I, I, heard, I heard a oh. stat the other day that was like, Will Chamberlain went into like triple overtime in the 60s when he was in college, or 50s when he was in, or 40s, whatever, when he was in college. And, right. and it was like 50s. the first, yeah, first triple overtime game college uh basketball history and then the final score was like 59 to 50 <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's it was like wow horribly uh, boring sports have changed and uh for most reasons for the better it's some of the chaos we miss it sure but uh you know it's been replaced by better play and that's that's okay guys that's fine i promise you it's not changes. gonna just 
Change to, change to be a good thing. <laughs> you know? Oh, man. Especially when you're comparing it to 1950s basketball. Yeah, there's a Although, lot of problems. I will say, I don't think anyone ever, when they're like, ah, oh, the game's deteriorated, I don't think they're usually citing like the 50s and 60s. I think they're probably thinking more in the 80s. But I, regardless, I think sports improve. Uh, make sure you are following the Twitter account, 2BP underscore podcast, our Insta page. Two beers, please. Underscore podcast. Go like the Facebook page. Go review. Subscribe. Hit the like button. Like it just said something about your wife. Uh, <laughs> God, that was. <laughs> I had to. I had to do oh, one. No. I had to do one. I yeah. had to do one. We promised we I wouldn't talk to... about it anymore, and here we are. I didn't. It I twice. didn't mention. I didn't mention the name of anybody. <laughs> Yeah, that no. Could you, be a, that could be a reverence to so many I, people. Are, people are smacking people for saying things about their wives all the time. You know, oh man, this is getting off a roller coaster. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> Jan, I've got a new manager. Eric new- Ten Hag has been hired by Manchester yes. United. What are What are your reactions from a uh, outsider looking in? I love it. You know, it's kind of the concept that you guys had when you hired Louis Van Hall, except. And also, thoughts out to Louis Van Hall. He has, you know, diagnosed yes, prostate absolutely. cancer going out for speedy it. Speedy recovery. Yeah, I, you know, he's still going to coach the Netherlands in the World Cup. It's kind of crazy. Um, but Louis you know. Van Hall, for every like bad thing we've said in Louis Van Hall, he is like kind of a badass. Like yeah. he's he's a, he's a wild man, and it he is it it is has helped and hurt him throughout his career. But it, like he's 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 a he's a bad dude. He is. Um, but I think it's the same situation, you know. The good the things about the Dutch teams, you know, that you see in the Eredivisie, the reason that, that we like them so much is because they're very solid teams that promote their talent in the attack and and solidify their talent in the defense. You know, and, and but they don't what I'm saying is they don't they don't kind of uh, sacrifice their their solidity for these attacking options or for these players just to see what happens. I feel like there are leagues that do that. The league aunt uh, does that. They have all these like young talents, but then their teams don't have a defense or their teams don't have any organization. The Eredivisie has all this young talent and they kind of teach them, you know, how to be a, the part of a really fluid team. And I think Manchester United has a lot of young talent like that and they have the potential to do that. Louis van Gaal, the you know, I think part of the personality that came in is part of the reason it didn't work. Um, but Eric Ten Hag is different. You know, Aaron Ten Hag is, is Ten Hag is a very uh, just comparatively to the last couple coaches Manchester United has had. Um, with with the, with the exception of Ralph Ranick, because I don't even count him. He was he came in to like see off the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer right. era, which is fine. Yeah. But like for the most part, you know, he's he's much more cool and collected. And, and not going to – things are going to slide off his back in Manchester easier than some other coaches in the past. So I think that he's a great signing. I've always wanted Eric Ten Hag to have a bigger job. Uh, it sounded like Manchester wanted it to be there. And, uh, you know, I thought, you know, it could be anywhere in England. It could be for Chelsea. It could be for Liverpool. It could be for any of these teams. The next one that opens up happens to be in Manchester United. And, uh, yeah, I think that maybe he even brings some Eredivisie talent over with him. Maybe, you know, the Manchester United has had these Dutch players in the past come over and, and, 
And I think that'll only help their cause, you know, bringing some of the youth talent over. So I, I think it's a great move. You guys need stability. And you guys also need someone who's no nonsense, which Eric Ten Hag is too. He's not an asshole or anything like that. But, you know, if Harry Maguire is playing like he plays, he will bench Harry Maguire. And I don't think he's going to have a problem doing that. So I think that's what you need. You need a no-nonsense disciplinarian in there. And I think Aaron Ten Hag is that kind of guy. Um, you know, questions about can he rise to the occasion? Sure. But uh, I think for the most part, you know, it's all good to go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm as, as a United fan, I'm pumped. And he's, he's, I think I've said before, he was who I wanted. Partly because, like you said, there, there brings this sense of stability. I think, like, you talk about Bengal and Mourinho. I mean, throughout their careers, they're not guys. And even, you know, Conte was connected. Like, none of those guys stay at places for very long. And I, we, we've seen, like, Chelsea's a team that has had lots of success switching through man- Manche- managers. But Manchester United's success came from having one manager for a very, very long time. Like, and I think that's an easier way if you can find the right manager to do it than having this revolving door that was going to keep happening. If you kept trying to hire those guys and like have this be some, all right, Jose is going to come in and fix everything. And then we're back to being Manchester United like that. No, the, the issues that are at the club are too, too deep for, for someone like someone just to come in and, and put some, you know, band-aids on bullet wounds and stuff. So, I'm excited about him. And yeah, I mean, like that really is the biggest like thing I've seen against it. I'm just like, well, he's never managed it at a high club level. And I, okay. <laughs> I've seen plenty of guys that have managed at a high level, go to jobs and still suck. Like I, I, I don't think that that is like the end all be all. And you have to make the jump at some time. And we've seen him. I mean, like, yeah, I had that tough collapse in the, in the champions league semifinals a few years ago when um, when Tottenham and, and Liverpool met in the final, but like they've been and maybe should have beaten Benfica, but like they performed very, very well um, against top clubs over the last few years with, with him at the helm. So I'm excited for it. I hope that he will be bringing us some trophies a la Don Staley and Bill Self, both of them becoming two-time national champions this weekend. Don doing it at South Carolina. She was the one who brought South Carolina, both of their national champions, Bill Self bringing a fourth to Kansas. Don Staley also becomes the first head coach in men's or women's basketball. Um, sorry, black head coach in men's or women's basketball to win multiple national championships. So a little more history for Don. Absolutely incredible what she's done down there in South Carolina, making them into the powerhouse that, that they are now. Jan, for you, between South Carolina and, and the Jayhawks, who do you think had a more impressive championship run. I think it's South Carolina. I mean, they, uh, you know, Kansas did well. And like, you can argue the competition of the men's tournament, not because men versus women, but simply because the game ha- is so much further and has been played for so much longer. Um, you know, that it's impressive that they win versus the South Carolina team where how many competitor contender competitors were there actually in the tournament that we thought had the talent to keep up with them. But South Carolina really took out opponents in a way that we didn't expect. We They were favorites from start to finish. They won by an average of 23 points per game. They won by an average of 23 points per game. And they took out in the final a really good UConn team with Paige uh, Bookers. And it's like, it wasn't really close. They In the first quarter, it was no. over. So yeah. 
you know, I think just because they we saw we we talked about at the beginning, they were favorites, heavy favorites, and for them to like not slip up really at all. I think the closest slip up they had was that UNC game where they won by eight, <laughs> which is like darn <laughs> tight, uh, tight, tight game. We're like uh, sweating that one. Right. I think it's it's really impressive. Um, and, you know, South Carolina, as much as I said, they were the favorites. There are so many of these other blue blood teams in the women's uh in the women's competition that could always be a threat. And they said, I see your threat and I still beat you by 20 points. So, um, you know, still take I, you down. I still take you down. So I think South Carolina's is the more impressive for me. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's, I mean, all credit to Kansas and, and they had a, a, a very impressive season and a nice NCAA tournament, but I, I think it's gotta be South Carolina wire to wire number one team in the nation. And, and they've been, you know, one of the best teams the last, several years right. um the last i think you could probably say the last three years have, have maybe been the best team the last three years a lot of people were like oh kansas could have won the title in 2020 i think south carolina would have like i don't think there's could have i think south carolina would have won the title in 2020 and you know lose by one point in last year's semifinal to the eventual champion stanford like on a missed layup like they as close as you can get uh so it's, it's not even just like this season of of how dominant They've they've been um, so yeah I'm I'm with you there I, I I go with with South Carolina yeah for sure I mean you know if you don't see that very often you know a team go you know from one to one sometimes in the women's game it happens more because there are these teams that have popped up that have been so dominant but uh, but as the game gets more competitive which we love to see in the women's game um, you know as they're given more opportunity more schools are given more opportunities to shine um, it it continues to be impressive even more so. Yeah, I believe that. I believe the last team in the women's game to do it was uh, was UConn in 2015, which was in the middle of their four straight titles and absurd winning streak that they had. So it is something like, and I think South Carolina is an example too of that. You know, the the parity that's starting to go, grow across the women's game. Um, they become you know one of the few programs that's won m- m- multiple national titles now, um, and I think too like it. it it didn't feel so much like South Carolina dominating UConn was like South Carolina being like, all right, now we are the UConn as much as, as just like we're with UConn. Like we were talking about, like there was some discussion of Villanova was a blue blood with, with South Carolina or with uh, North Carolina Duke and all them. I think they are regardless of it, but like, I think South Carolina now you're like saying like, Oh, what are the elite like Baylor, Tennessee, of course, UConn. Like I think South Carolina starts getting them their name up there. And I'm like, Don Staley's been there 14 years. She has built that thing from bottom to top. I, I think she's just getting started as far as winning at the top, you know, like she, she's got many more national titles coming to, to uh, Columbia. Is that in Columbia? I probably maybe it, no, I would yeah, say it is. Let's go. Hey, capitals. Love it. Um, no, yeah. I mean, Don Staley, really, really impressive what she's done in uh, North Carolina. And also, you know. Wow, South Carolina, dude. South I, get Carolina. The ten- I get the city right, and then you just. Listen, uh, listen. We're talking <laughs> about you and. Our, ge- our geography is either pinpoint accurate or just like horrible. Listen, like, we are not good at confidence. I mentioned two North Carolina teams, okay? But I, got, I, got my I would say we. Up. I would say we. I was. I, I, know. I was making it a partnership. 
It is. I just feel bad because I know I let down the partnership. Um. Yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> oh, also, no. it is really tough when we're talking about North Carolina bass. Like it, it's very easy to uh, to make the slip up. So. Oh yeah, for sure. No, but I think Don Staley's you know really done a good job, and I I agree. I think the women's game, not just in college basketball and professional basketball and in other sports, is only getting more competitive because these women are being given more and more chances to shine. And it's only honestly going to make for better and better sports for years to come. So I'm excited. It's going to be great. Yeah, absolutely. Some some certified ballers in the game. Uh, talked about kind of like what it meant for, for South Carolina. Kansas, I, I don't know if like the national championship win does anything for Kansas as, as much as, you know, solidify it even more. Like I think if North Carolina would have won, maybe North Carolina really could have been like, we are the best uh, program in men's college basketball and had a pretty good argument for it. Um, obviously, Kansas still can, but four national titles, I, I think more like it, it just kind of establishes them even more as, you know, one of the top three, um, if not top two, if not top one programs in, in the nation. But for Bill Self, it, you know, it is a huge accomplishment. Mentioned how for him and Staley, now they both have won multiple national championships. He's only the 15th head coach in the men's game to win multiple championships. And I think, too, <clears throat> when you look at the school that he's done it at and, and the history that Kansas does have, because, like, four national championships isn't as much as most of the other programs we can like as Kentucky, North Carolina. But Kansas's history as, you know, creator of the game and, and all that, the other guys that have won national titles at Kansas, Larry Brown, and Fog Allen, I mean, like all-time head coaching names, pedigrees. And now Bill Self can say, like, at Kansas, at this historically great program, I've won the most national titles. And I know it's just two compared to one, but I think that's something to be said as, as far as, like, what, what the accomplishment is for, for Bill Self. And, and more even just, like, solidifying him as, as one of the all-time great head coaches. I agree. Yeah. And, and I agree. I don't think it does too much for Kansas reputation that wasn't already there. We did have like an all blue blood final four for the most part. I, I, I throw Villanova in there too. Um, I think Villanova is definitely a blue blood. Yeah. And, uh, and for me, it just means they're the current king of the blue bloods. Like that's what it means. And we had questions about all four of these teams. Right. And, and, you know, there wasn't one team that didn't have, it's not like Kansas was like the one we weren't worried about. We had worries about them as well. And Kansas showed us that they were the best and the most consistent among the la in the last two games. And, uh, you know, it means they're still the powerhouse that was favored back when the pandemic was starting, when they had that great team and, and they thought <clears throat> they had a pretty good chance of winning that 2020 title. Um, and for Bill Self, you know, there is a vacuum that needs to be filled now that Coach K and Roy Williams are gone. And it kind of means that he's that guy, that active guy, you know, for me anyway, that you look at as if you had to name someone as the best current active coach. The current, you know. the current Mount Rushmore of, of college basketball. Bill Self, Jay Wright. Uh, Mark Few. I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe that's, there. Maybe. that's a that's a tough one. Yeah, but you're right. It's not as it's. I feel like it's. I mean, I guess technically Rick Pitino is still a head coach. John Calipari. There you go. <laughs> right. I knew. I knew we were forgetting uh, an obvious one. Right. Calipari, yeah. Jay Wright, and then yeah, the fourth. The fourth one's kind of the, would be the toughest one. But yeah, I, 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 your point is. Yeah. No, I I agree. I and I think uh, you know second title joins an elite list. 
you know, the the one problem with this, right, is is the is the violations. Like, what's going to happen after now? And you know, like, how do we look at Kansas knowing, you know, what that investigation, how the sanctions are are leveled out? You know, because if Kansas is not allowed to defend their national title, if self is suspended the year after this title, you know, I I think. I'm curious as to see how we see this title in a couple years, you know, whether there's an asterisk next to it, um, you know, because it is a question. I, I think that it's something that just hasn't been brought up a lot, but I think it's more important than it than its uh, lack of um, airtime uh, is. You know, I think that it is more important. It's something that we haven't talked about enough Um so I think that 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 is there's a little cloud over it. It's not a huge one, but it is a little one, and we're gonna see what happens about it. I I don't really know um, too many of the minutia of the details about it, but I do know that there's you know at least four violations that are being looked at, and I know that you know there is a chance that at least the coach gets suspended, if not the team, for the next season. Yeah, I think I mean I think Kansas will handle it smartly, which is like you kind of just. Yeah, comply. You kind of just comply with the NCAA. Like you really only get in trouble when you try and fight with the NCAA and and like are a pain in their ass. Because uh, then they're like, "All right, screw you." Because Kansas has been in this situation before and yep. has come out unscathed. I think. I mean, I think it has to be some absurd violations because that Louisville team that won the national championship that's been vacated. There was like some pretty intense like prostitution things that were influenced with it. And I don't know. I mean, there's maybe there's a cloud over that one, but I don't really think of it as a cloud. I, I think I, I, the cheating in, in college basketball, I think for anyone that pays attention enough, is kind of just like, well, yeah. Like it's never like, oh, I can't believe Kansas did that as much as just like, ah, Kansas got caught this time. Sucks for them. But like Sean Miller was on a recording of like, saying he was going to pay, I think, I think it was DeAndre Ayton or like DeAndre Ayton's family and still didn't, he was still in Arizona for a couple of years. So I, 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 I could see them like getting some sort of ban or, you know, sometimes you do the self-imposed thing um, and maybe Bill is suspended, but like if he's suspended, I think he'd be suspended early in the season. I, I don't think it's going to be too, uh, Unless, like I said, unless it's like a, a absolutely like massive, like I think it would have to like really almost take down Bill Self, and I don't, I don't think the NCAA wants that. Like I don't, like I think if like Kansas looks really, really bad, like you know what I mean, like if it's a really shitty look like that, that's not good for college basketball. Right, I agree, and I'm, I'm like, like I said, I think what you said is so true because I think there's a reason we don't know too much about these violations, and it's like, how do you violate a organization that is already so corrupt? Like, how do you? Where is the line? Because if you say it's here now, okay, but like that line seems to get moved every minute of every day. Um, so I agree. I don't think it's going to end up too bad, but there are people saying it, uh, that it might. So it's, it, that's why it's so interesting right. because I haven't heard too much about it. Now it's like, oh wait, Kansas might get suspended next year. It's that bad. Like I knew there was but something, I th- but I think but, that's even the point. Like, it's just like, it's kind of just like, oh yeah, top program in trouble for doing that. Like, 
Yeah. And and they're they're in a little better situation. I mean, like they're gonna get more headlines, but like Memphis is over here looking all sorts of stupid like a penny hardaway might. Like I, it's gonna have to be something absurd for Bill Self to lose his job, especially after he win a second national title. But like I I I think the doors are closing in on Penny Hardaway. So that always helps you too if like there's a even if it's not major, major program. I think Memphis is is big enough where like it'll help Kansas, but we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with that, uh, with that investigation. It's uh, the NCAA, like you said, it's, it's hard to not to just kind of like roll your eyes at, at it all, but you know, the, the corruption and, and the backdoor deal and all that stuff, that's how then, you know, the Louisville pro because like the idea of like, Oh, Hey, pl- player come here, here's some money. Like, I don't think any of us really think that that's morally bad, but when it's against the rules, so you're doing it in, you know, the dark, it allows the opportunity for other, probably a little more unsavory things um, to occur as well. But it's, it's a nice win for, for Kansas. And you mentioned it, like it's a team that's just so consistent. I, I think, you know, maybe maybe at least I underrated them a little bit, but I think it was kind of a Nova situation where just, they're just such a strong unit. Like, Agbaji got a lot of headlines earlier in the year, but like this, this team didn't win because of Agbaji. Like he was, he was obviously a part of it, but like this team is like such a great team, you know? And, and I think like he stepped up in the, in the semifinal game. That was his big time game. And he played well in the final as well, but like, McCormick stepped up. Remy Martin, obviously in the tournament was just phenomenal. Braun stepped up. Like they had so many guys that stepped up and, you know, we rang the bell all year of, of defense, 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 that team, they play good defense on their man, like man to man. They play good team defense. There's communication and defense. Like it, it is an age old thing, but like defense does win championships. It does. Right. And we were looking at other teams who have great defenses like Tennessee, like Texas Tech and pointing to them as like why they're going to win. Um, but like I also see us. We did underrate. Can- I also underrated Kansas, but I also think it was rightfully so. If Remy Martin and David and Dave McCormick were playing at this level in the regular season, they could have been my my right. favorites to win the whole thing. And we both know even for as good as Agbaji did in the semis and the finals, that he still has a ceiling higher than that that he did not even reach in this tournament. So I think because of them underperforming, I think we rightly uh, underrated them. And it wasn't, you know, they caught fire at the right time and good for them. But, like, I'm not going to go back and be like, oh, we should have. No, they weren't playing super well. Their defense wasn't consistent. They were not transitioning into offense very well and Agbaji wasn't hitting threes like that and dominating the floor like he did in those last two games and forget David McCormick people were saying he's the fourth fifth best player on that team at halfway through the season the regular season so you know I think it was rightfully underrated um and unlike Nova the only thing the difference was that like Nova I didn't know if they had enough pieces even at full strength with Colin Gillespie to like really get it going with Kansas it was like you have enough pieces just none of them are reaching their potential so at what point do you just call this a dud um but yeah I mean we did underrate them but I I don't I don't take it back (laughs) right well yeah I mean like like you said I think the biggest thing like McCormick's picked up his play late in the season and then I mean Remy Martin literally played his six best games in the tournament. Right. Um, and, and, and it was, and it was, the, you know, it was the way they expected him to play. Like, it wasn't like, Oh, Holy shit. Who knew Remy Martin could do this? Like it, most of the season, it was kind of like, what the hell Remy Martin? Like you're not, 
you are nothing like we saw at Arizona State. You're supposed to kind of help. Like he was supposed to kind of lead the team more than Agbaji at the start of the year. And then he finally started playing like you knew he could and, and hitting his shots. And he, he hit some, especially in that, like that comeback, he hit some major, major shots to, to get that thing rolling. Absolutely, he did. No, for sure. And, uh, you know, I think this is a tale of both teams. I think UNC, too. Uh, you know, they didn't click until the end. And when they clicked, they really clicked. And that's that's kind of the tournament every year. I, you know, we like to think that there's a team that's a favorite. But for the most part, it's what team can click and stick to the stick to the script and uh, can do that more consistently. And I think it, the final was indicative of two teams that that figured out what their strengths were, played to their strengths, and uh, that's why they got there. Yeah, absolutely. Also, the um, the winning the conference tournament, it actually it really is like a two-sided thing. Because you either, I feel like you either go out or you do go, I mean, because like Kansas won their conference tournament, Villanova won their conference tournament. So it isn't always a death uh, sentence, but um, you got to play better than Iowa did. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the team, too. Kansas could not win. I'd still feel as good about them. Iowa, you know, <laughs> you know you're know, going to have to do more than win a conference title. You have to show me that you can get past the second round before I believe that you can get past the second round. I'm sorry. Like, that's <laughs> that's all I have to say about the you Hawkeyes. You can only see what's in front of me, guys. Yeah, exactly. I'm not making any assumptions anymore. Never again. I don't. I My, my Iowa Hawkeye basketball fandom isn't so old. Uh, so for me... These last two years, I'm I'm slowly, slowly like getting the first couple tastes of what it's like. I feel like to be an Iowa basketball fan. <laughs> You're honestly yes and no because I would also say the last like three years have probably been actually for sure have been the best three years of Iowa basketball in my life. Yeah, like we you've had a national title or national player of the year candidate three years should have gone. I don't need. We're not getting into it. We're not going to get it. We're not going to get it into the Hawkeyes giving their season away. But I do want to talk, Jan. You would see up forty to twenty-five. The <clears throat> pardon the fifteen-point comeback by Kansas, the biggest one ever in the national championship game. Or I think maybe they were even down sixteen. I can't remember the exact stat, but I know it was the biggest comeback. UNC, I mean, was dominating. They went on that. It was twenty-two, twenty-two. They went on that fourteen-zero run, sixteen-zero run, and just like took the game over. But Kansas obviously came back and won the game. Do you think UNC gave the game away or did Kansas take it back? I think UNC gave the game away. I mean, Kansas played really well, right? And and going into this game, though, my question was, you know, after beating Kansas in an all-time rivalry upset, you know, is there going to be a little bit of emotional hangover and and some emotional exhaustion that that seeps in? And at the beginning, you know, it didn't seem like there was. They played so well, and you're like, wow, this team is going to win the title. Um, but after that after that blitz in the first half, I kind of they looked tired, and they started to let their defense slip. They got careless on offense, which allowed Kansas' defense to take the game back. Um, I'm not taking anything away from Kansas. They still had to hit those shots, and they did really well. But I feel like UNC, you know, they were running. They felt like the last game, they're in the last three miles of the game. You just have to sprint the last three miles. There was still 10 miles left. And so by the time they sprinted the first four, <laughs> they had to walk the last six. And they kind of got their speed back at the end. It looked like maybe. But, you know, at that point, Kansas's you know, clear talent advantage took over. 
Um, so yeah, I do see as this is a UNC giving the game away, um, just because they they look like the last game was affecting them a little bit, you know. And so I, I think that's kind of what happened. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like I, I think, and, and certainly, like you said, nothing to take away from Kansas. Kansas obviously played their part in the comeback, and I think Kansas over the full second half could have on their own really completed the comeback. But that comeback was oh, was done with in seven minutes. Like the, right. the second half started and UNC was like, hey, there, there you go. Let's, let's just let's just go back to zeros. And like they like maybe Kansas was inevitably going to come back anyway. But my God, you can't let them do it that quickly and that easily. Because like literally whatever halftime lead momentum you had, which I credit to them for not like letting that avalanche keep on sliding and Kansas blowing them out like it kind of looked like that might happen. And UNC did stick around and, and kept on fighting to their credit. But man, you can't like, you can't let them come back like that. Especially after you already had such an epic collapse in the second round against Baylor. Like you, so lessons that should have been learned that you would hope. Uh, and, and I'm sure, I'm sure Hubert will. And, uh, but yeah, like you said, the team, like they got, they got real, real complacent offensively with some really bad shots that gave Kansas a lot of good opportunities that, like you said, Kansas, because Kansas in the first half also didn't take their opportunities as well. And Kansas certainly did in the second half, but North Carolina also did their part in giving Kansas a lot of, of uh, good opportunities in that early second half. Right, exactly. And as much as it was the players, I don't I don't really blame the coaching for that as much as it was the players, like you said, taking some shots they didn't take and getting lazy on defense a little bit. I think that, you know, he should have called a timeout early. Like, I think you got to call a timeout and say, we need an easy one. We need to slow down. Like, he like, I think he played his part in it a little bit. He did a little bit, and that's that. That was the point I was going to make. I think it's the one thing Hubert Davis still needs to get over. It's like, you know, it happened in the Baylor game, and at, at times it looked like maybe it would happen in the Duke game. You know, how can you show your team that it's you know just the next play, and how can you you know not fall to because UNC in those back-to-back games were not the most talented team, you know, and I think. When they were riding the highs, they were riding the highs. But, you know, Hubert Davis needs to know how to stop the bleeding a little bit, um, especially with a team that, you know, if there is so much of a comeback happening on the other side of the court, how do you look at your team, you know, and be like the, the dangers you look at your own team, you're like, we're not as good as them, you know. And, and as soon as you do that, that comeback's happening immediately. So Hubert Davis, obviously first year as a coach. So, like, there's there's a lot to, to, to go on. But that is my question for him, my challenge for him is, you know, UNC, you know, back for me, back to the top of our list in terms of teams that can compete, you know, can you avoid those big uh, kind of giveaways? And 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 can you use the timeouts to your advantage? And, and can you use substitutions to your advantage? Because I think he's done really good te- uh, stuff with the team tactics, like throughout the season, like from five games to the next five games. But can you do that in-game? That is the question, and that's what great coaches can do. Sometimes, too, with a run, and it's something that I get real upset with Fran about, like with a team's making a run, sometimes, literally, all you need to do, take the timeout for is just to cool them down. Right. Like, if, if you if you literally make them go sit on the bench for a second, and while they're shitting on your team and getting basket after basket, they will naturally start to cool down. Like, 
it, it's just as simple as that. It's sometimes it's like, it's not even just like, all right, here's these big, massive changes. We got to make this and that. Like sometimes it's just like, okay, let's forcibly pump the brakes on this run. Like you guys are not doing it right now. So I'm, I'm going to force the game to stop. Like, and, and like Fran is horrible at, at doing that shit. And then by the time they call the timeout, it's the comeback's done. And whatever damn, like whatever help that timeout could have done for you is, is over and done with. Yeah, no, that's a fair. Fran is bad at that. <laughs> well, he's the worst at it. He's the worst. Jan, how much do you think Baycott's injury impacted the game? I mean, could he have been more dominant? Sure, but he had another double-double. So, like, can we say he didn't impact it? You know, I think, I don't know how much him being 100% would have stopped what I saw happen in that game. Like, sure, if he was 100% from the get-go, could they have established even more of a crazy lead? Maybe, you know, but I think he did just fine, you know, and he's... I, I I don't I don't blame it on that injury for sure. Right. Yeah. I I mean like I think I had, like I think halftime for him was not advantageous because I think it was it was like he's got moving in the first half and then that cat having to take a break again like on an injury sometimes then you come back and it's it can stiffen up and get and like so I think him coming out a little because he just looked a little more hobbled a little slower in the second half. And probably helped with Kansas coming back and, and UNC not throwing it down low as much. But yeah, I think it had an impact. Do I think it would have meant UNC would have won? No. Like, because like you said, he still had a really great, it, it would have helped, but I, I don't think it's for sure. Like, oh, can't, if he was healthy, no chance for Kansas, right? Right. No, no, no. It's, it wasn't, you know, he, the way that he plays, I don't think. Uh, uh, a lack of injury was going to elevate him to the point where he could have single-handedly switched this game for UNC. You know, UNC got the best start they could have asked for, regardless of any other factors. So them not winning this game has nothing to do with anything else, because regardless of that, they got the best start they could have asked for. So I give them no excuses, because it couldn't have started any better. Yeah. Could have ended a lot better. (laughs) Could have ended that. That was another thing, which like I mean, sometimes the Caleb Love and and R.J. Davis can can make some great plays. They can make some kind of boneheaded plays at times, and that that that's less. I mean, the last possession's tough, but with twenty seconds to go, those some of those threes they were hoisting up. What are you? What are you doing? Attack the hoop. You don't get plenty of time, but what can you do, Jan? Out of these four teams, Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, Villanova, which of them do you think has the best chance? to be back in the Final Four next year in Houston? Yeah, uh, this is an interesting question because, you know, Jay Wright is always a good one to pick because it's Jay Wright and Villanova, and and they always get it right <laughs> come tournament time. And, uh, nice. you know, and like I... They always get it right. They always get it right. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of want to go with them. Kansas, I'm not going to go with simply because who knows what happens in this offseason. I still think maybe there could be a suspension leveled. So I'm actually going to go UNC. You know, as much as I know we just like I, I challenge Hubert Davis to get better at stuff. I think he really revived a true blue blood program. And I'm and I think that it's going to help his team benefit from the transfer portal. And the things that I saw him do through the season from their rough start to their kind of frenetic finish 
I saw him take this team first year, a Roy Williams team, and fundamentally change it in two ways. You know, they <laughs> they switched from the two bigs to the one, which allowed Baycott to kind of be the main man while switching the focus from rebounding to scoring and passing, which UNC always leads everybody in rebounding. Um, but instead, they worked with this more formation that helps multiple players be more successful in scoring, like Caleb Love, like Brady Manick, like RJ Davis. And speaking of RJ Davis, you know, they moved from having kind of two point guards that would kind of take the charge with RJ Davis and Caleb Love. And he was able to see, okay, so Caleb Love is a risk taker and that's great, but we don't want him running the offense because he's going to like end a lot of possessions with his risk taking. So he let RJ Davis yeah. take the, take the offense instead. And and then Caleb Love was allowed to, to take that risk taking ability and, and make more of it without hurting the possession. So I think he made those two switches that are fundamental Roy Williams trademarks, the two point guards and, and the multiple bigs. Um, and, and, and him doing that in his first year, that does give me a lot of hope that he does know what he's doing. He's willing to make changes and he will mature as a coach. And if this is his first year and, and he was able to do this, you know, I, I only have, I only can think it's going to get better. So yeah, I'm going to go UNC. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think at Kansas and Villanova, lots, lots of kind of questions about what both those teams will, will look like. And I think they'll both lose a lot of their leadership. Of course, Duke's going to be kind of completely different. It, it will be a, a top. I mean, like it's going to be the top recruiting class. And I do think John Shire is is going to be a good head coach. But we've seen, I mean, like obviously Hubert Davis was a first year head coach, but he took over a team that had been to get like Baycott and Davis and, and, and Love and all those guys have been there for a, a, at least a year. They kind of knew each other. So like he's going to be taking over a whole new roster, kind of similar to Tommy Lloyd, which Tommy Lloyd also had a great year. But is more of a challenge, I think, than than kind of Hubert Davis coming into the uh, a team that that knows one another. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm with you on UNC. I, I I think they'll probably lose a couple of those guys to the draft. You always do, but I, but I think they'll bring enough guys back um, that that out of these four, they would be the the one that I'm going with as well. Although maybe it'll be Duke because Jan does does Coach K. Do you think what? Give me like the percentage. Of Coach K coming back, five percent, and the only reason that Coach K is coming back in my mind is for whatever reason. If in this transfer portal, I don't. There would have to be some catastrophic thing. Like this top recruiting class would have to bail on Duke all at once. They they would have to lose three of them, which doesn't seem likely because they knew Coach K was leaving already. It's not like a last minute thing, right? right. So for me, it would be like. The whole team's going to check out unless you come back. And so if that happened, maybe he'd come back for one more year just to keep the great recruiting class. Um, you know, it was heartbreaking. And, you know, but we saw it like in the post interview and in the interviews leading up. He's checked out. He's done, you know, yeah. and he's ready to hand the program over, you know, and also nothing in college basketball is guaranteed. So I don't care what kind of recruiting class there ha you have. There's no saying that you make it to the Final Four again. There's no right. saying that you make it to the Elite Eight again. Do you want your career to end as a one seed getting the first upset by a 16 seed? Because that could happen too. Like there's, there's certainly, I mean, like, yeah, you're probably going to come back and guarantee your season won't end as heartbreakingly. Like you're probably not going to lose in the Final Four to your biggest rival who is an eight seed. Right. But it's also like, is that really the goal? Like, 
listen, some stories are heartbreaking. That would, be, that would be like the like it would feel more like I just don't want to go out that way instead of oh I'm gonna try and go out on top. I kind of would. I kind of love it. I mean, it's just like fuck it. There's no. I can't. I can't go out like that. Like that's North Carolina. I can't do it. I'd kind of love it, but I think it would be horrible for Duke and horrible for like. He's handed the, like you said, like he's done. And we've seen it throughout the year. Like it's been kind of a 50, 50, maybe even more of a split than that of him and, and Shire kind of doing things. And if he came back, like that would undermine John Shire so much and undermine the, so yeah, there's no way, but I'd kind of love it. I do too. Of course. Like if the pettiness would be, you know, we live for the pettiness. And if, if coach K came back simply cause that they're not going to end his season, that would be so fun for us, right? Um, but I just think, like, listen, if you get the knockout blow, if you get the knockout blow in the semifinals and that's how your story ends, it's still a good story. If you get if you get embarrassed at home by St. Peter's, like, you know, if this was Calipari's last year, embarrassed at home by St. Peter's, like, embarrassed, you know, kind of as the set two seed by St. Peter's, you know, like, that's also not yeah. how you want to go out. So I, I just think some stories are heartbreaking, but they're still great stories. And at the end of the, you know, he can have his little documentary where he talks about how heartbreaking that was, you know, and that's what he can do. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Jan, it was a massive win for North Carolina. We talked about the the rivalry stakes of this game, of the all-time just shit-talking ownership, like – all time you 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 won the rivalry. You like you this you can cite North Carolina can cite this forever as we we are kind of your daddy. Yeah. So I I'm I am i am putting it as I, I don't have a ranking one through five. I just have five games and this is up there of the top five biggest rivalry victories ever. All right. I'm gonna share I'm gonna share with you my other four and then I, I wanna I wanna hear you and, and get your, your thoughts on on the biggest wins ever. All right, All right. let's do it. Hell yeah. All right. So the first one, I'm going to be a bit of a homer. The game was a little boring, to be quite honest, but Packers against the Bears, it was the first time that they ever played each other in the playoffs, NFC Championship game to go to the Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers against the cut, against my fellow diabetic, uh, and and the Packers got it done. <laughs> I, probably, I probably wouldn't bring this game up, if the Packers did, because it was kind of a boring game and honestly, the Packers kind of handle it, but NFL's best rivalry, biggest game that you can have for a rivalry, because otherwise you're playing somebody in another, you know, conference uh, and the Packers got done. So I got the Packers, the bears Packers over the bears in the 20, 2011, 2011 NFC championship game. My next one, college football, Alabama against Auburn 2013. This, I, I, there was a lot of different college football games. I kind of thought, but this one, just because of the ending, the, the the kick, the field goal kick miss, taking it back all the way as time expires to beat your biggest rival, who was favored in that game by like 10 points. And, and, and the stakes for that game was massive too. Auburn went on to the national championship game and almost won themselves another national championship. So stakes of what were going on, huge. And just another, I mean, arguably the best college football um, rivalry there is. I'm a little partial to, to Michigan, Ohio State, but but you know, Bama Auburn's got its place, and that game is is just an absurd game. Then I'm going to soccer, Atletico Madrid 
Real Madrid, the 2016 Champions League final, mm-hmm. finish 1-1. They go into penalties where Real breaks their rivalry's hearts again, two years after beating them 4-1, although in extra time. At 4-1 looks, you know, like a shellacking, but it was there's some, some late goals. Um, so two, two actually real close games in, in those ones. But this one, I went with this one because the penalties uh, and Real getting it done again. And my final one, Lakers versus Celtics, game seven, 2010. Kobe and Powell against the big three of Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, and Kevin Garnett. Just an absolute battle of a game. That Celtics team, I, oh, I was pulling for them hard. I got my Celtics jersey on right now because I, I, I love cheering against Kobe. Uh, but it, just a great series. It was the second time that they'd met in, in three years after the Celtics got the best of the Lakers in 2008. Uh, obviously, just the, the best NBA rivalry that, that you can get. Um, but, yeah, that's what I got. I got, I got North Carolina over Duke, Packers over Bears, Bam over Auburn, Athletic over Real, and the Lakers over the Celtics. I love that. I have all different ones except for the UNC, so this will be fun. Um, I I rank them in my head, so I'm just going to rank them, and I don't know if I believe in these rankings, but it's what I rank them. Um, so I the NBA one that I have <clears throat> is as a series because, for me, that just felt better for a final since it is seven games versus one. Um, and I did the same for the one baseball one I have. Uh, so at number five, you mentioned it just now, the 2008 Celtics beating the Lakers for their first NBA title since 1986. So it was a big deal for these two-story teams, uh, especially with the Celtics needing that. You know, so There's just such a drought. It included a 24-point comeback, which was at the time the largest comeback in a finals game since 1971. And you mentioned it, Kobe and Powell and, and Garnett and Pierce and all the players that were involved. And it's the two storied franchises of the NBA. Celtics getting the better of them to get their first title in over 20 years. That's my number five. At number four, I'm surprised you didn't have this. 2008 as well. Champions League final. Manchester United versus Chelsea. The first ever all-English Champions League finals. And it's between one of the most decorated English sides in Chelsea, where it was their first ever finals appearance. It was a fantastic game. Lampard and Ronaldo trading blows. Drogba sent off late for hitting Nemanja Vidic. Right? Ronaldo misses a kick. Chelsea has the chance to win in penalties. But Terry can't convert. And then Nicholas Anelka has it saved and Edwin, uh, by Edwin Van Der Manchester United win all-time Premier League bragging rights there uh, between two teams. Obviously, you know, rivalry, you know, with the top English teams. It's obviously not Manchester United's main rival, but I just thought for the context, that's a big rivalry. I think it's fair. I think it's fair. 100%. My my argument of, like, why I wouldn't have it is, like, because if it was was Liverpool – or city, I think there's no way I can I can keep it off. But I think it no, I think it's I like that yeah. choice. I honestly like that choice. <laughs> I mean, what are you gonna say about it? Um, right. uh, it could be a, it could be a blowout if it's a team I like. I'd be like, that's a stellar stellar choice. And that's that's the best one ever. That seventy to zero win was it was such a tight battle. Yeah, the Australians are like that thirty-two to zero win over American Samoa, best rivalry win of all time. Uh, I'll remember that game forever. I'll remember that game forever. Uh, at number three, I have Duke versus UNC. Uh, UNC retires Coach K in the Final Four, uh, like with an eight seed team and a first time coach. Re- you know, amazing, amazing, amazing. At the number two, the 2004 American League 
Conference Championship. Red Sox come back from 3-0 down to beat the Yankees, head to the World Series, undo the curse. Only time that deficit has ever been undone. And they do it against their rivals to beat this this decades-long curse. Ugh. I know it's a homer pick, but it's true. No, no, no. I, I, you know, because I have my homer pick in legitimate ranking because I was just like, that one's got to be in the top five. Like, it has to. Yeah. That one, that one... That might. I'm interested to hear what your number one is because that one might actually be number one. So Ooh. that should, yeah, that but, should so be like, but, but but with like my top five, I would take out the Packers Bears game in a heartbeat and replace it with that that series. I mean, right, that series I'm... is insane. Like only time you've ever come back from three zero down is the the curse that was the division. Like if, that's the thing too. Like if the Sox go on and don't win the World Series, is it still like? awesome yeah but is it nearly as awesome no not like not at close not even close no the fact that they did that to their rivals on route to beating the curse i mean it's the yankees can say what they want about everything else that will never not be their fault they should have yeah. put them away that will never not be their fault um <clears throat> that should be my number one um but my number one is a homer pick and that's because for me sounds like yeah yeah, there you go. For me, it defined it defined a a rivalry in league in a way that I don't know what it would be like if it had gone the opposite way. So it's 2013, Matt. 2010-2011, Borussia Dortmund wrestles away back-to-back titles from Bayern Munich. 2012, Bayern comes back with the title, gets all the way to the Champions League final in Munich, but can't get it done against Chelsea. So 2013, Bayern and Dortmund. German soccer is back in full force. It had kind of been underneath the Madrids, underneath the Premier Leagues for a couple of years. This was the reemergence. It's our first all-German Champions League final. Dortmund eliminate Real Madrid with a young star by the name of Robert Lewandowski. On the other side, Bayern eliminate Messi and Barcelona thanks to Ribéry and Robin. And in the 89th minute, Arjen Robin wins it against the rivals. 89th minute victory cry and gets the title and for me kind of puts to bed that rivalry because it hasn't been a rivalry since it's been very clearly Bayern is on top of Dortmund and that was kind of the pinnacle of that rivalry since then not so much how how close was it beforehand it was they won back-to-back titles over over Bayern 2010 2011 it happened twice I I, I remember I remember those Dortmund teams just because you get a couple not I mean like it's like you I'm not. I'm not arguing. I, I think this is a, a solid pick. It's not number one. Um, no, of course not. It's, a it's, cer- it's certainly a homer pick. But it, like you know, when they're like, "Oh, we're rivals," and like one team's won like eighty percent of the games. You're like, I don't really. Are you guys like you really don't do like? How close was the rivalry before the champion? I get the Champions League one being, yeah, we are your all-time daddy. But I feel like I feel like. Byron was I mean for sure but I think there are rivalries where one team though can clearly say they're the better team I like UK and I, Louis- I, do, I do I do too but I no, just, no Kentucky Louisville they, they go back and forth I mean like Oklahoma Oklahoma State like yeah they're a rivalry but is it a good rivalry like Oklahoma shits on Oklahoma State like constantly like that's right. why like Iowa, Iowa State is a good rivalry because no matter how good either team is, like they give each other a, a game. 
Uh, there. And there's some, there's some, I mean, yeah, like they're still rivals, but you're like, eh. Like Manchester City and Man United before City got money. Like people were like, we don't give a shit about that game. Like it's Liverpool. And now Manchester United, you kind of have to be like, yeah, we hate Manchester City because they're a whole lot better than us. No, yeah, that's 100% fair. Um, yeah, I, that's I, I don't know why earlier though, I was like, well, I'm interested to see what your number one is. I fucking knew what your number one you was going to be. It, it was going to be. It was between this and, and uh, the World Cup final where we won over Argentina. That was like the other one I was going to pick. And I, I couldn't pick it because I, I couldn't. I would have given, given you more shit for that one than... I didn't pick it because it would have just been my favorite win. It wouldn't have been like a rivalry yeah. at all. It would have been like Germany and Argentina go back, but like not. Yeah, they got like they have a little international rivalries like that are always like tough to to define. Like there's easy ones to be like, yeah, England and Scotland. Like there's there's some history to Argentina and and Germany, but yeah, that would stretch to put in the top five. And this one, I mean, this was a great great game, and those Dortmund teams of of that. Uh, that you know the early 2010s were were absurd. I mean, I have their lineup pulled up. We got you had Hummels and Gundogan, Wasikowski, Royce, obviously Lewandowski. It, like team was team was damn good. And and I forgot too. Uh, had a decent little manager at the time. Yeah, decent little manager by the name of Jurgen. Uh, by the name of Jurgen, he's pretty good at that that coaching stuff. Listen. If there's one thing about Jurgens, nah, I can't say that because not all Jurgens are good at coaching. But uh, listen, <laughs> I didn't mean to inadvertently shit on Jurgen Klinsmann. I, but I really, you know, didn't. yeah, that's like that was the funniest part of that. Not that you would have just said this like obviously hyperbolic like statement. You you were just like you know this is obviously an absurd statement, but I'm still not going to say it. Like it's too, I can't. It's too absurd. There's a limit to everything, and that would be too, too far to say such a blasphemy. Uh, and you know what I love about rivalry games, though, and uh, it's it only they are only going to get better because time will continue to move forward, and the rivalries will get entrenched even further. And so these richer. games are only going to get better. I agree with I should have put Alabama Auburn. I'm mad I didn't put Alabama Auburn in. I don't know how I didn't put that, but it's because I had to fit my homer pick in obviously. But I almost had well, I I mean, I made the huge mistake of not having Sox and Yankees, so you're you're forgiven. That's that's the biggest misstep that I forgot that one. Um, but I almost had there was Michigan Ohio State in 2007 when they were number 1 and 2 and you know, playing for like a national championship, kind of similar to this last year, but I, I would say more stakes. And I was going to go with that one. And then I remembered Alabama Auburn and I was like, that, easily. <laughs> he took yeah. a goddamn field goal back as time expired. Like that's the most insane way I've ever seen a game end. Yeah. You could have said Bulls Pistons too back in those series could have been a good one. Um, there's so many good ones. Uh, Even like, I mean, like if, so if, if you want to argue like, that game seven Warriors Cavaliers 2016, like they, they had a little, they had a rivalry going and that comeback and that, like all that was, that might be a stretch of rivalry, but you, you have a lot of the merit to go on of, of just like everything else that occurred within it. Yeah. I, uh, you know, 
I like these lists because at the end of the day, we're just talking about some crazy games. So yeah. I, I love recounting it. It's, it's just mostly so just fun. going down memory lanes. You're like, oh, and then there was that one. Or even just remembering, like, now like, I'm trying to rack my brains of, like, some some real great, you know, like, Iowa State games. And, yeah, they, like, it's a great point of they only get better because just, like, the history of it. And you, like, you remember the tough loss. You remember the big win. And it just makes it all so much more fun.